Starring Sonny Bono, Ruth Brown, Divine, Michael St. Gerard, Debbie Harry, Ricky Lake, Jerry Stiller, and Sean Thompson. The new comedy from John Waters. It's way beyond Greece. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hello. Hello, listeners, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, everybody in between. Back for another great one. My name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And these are the movies that made us gay. Welcome back. Scott, did you enjoy the movie? I really enjoyed the movie. Me too. It's so much fun. It's great. I've got a lot to say about this one. Uh, I hold it dear to my heart. Uh, Would you like to introduce our guest and talk about the movie we just saw? Of course. Well, we have a returning guest today, Movies That Made Us Gay All-Star, Brian Boskind. You might remember him from the Supergirl episode. Welcome back, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be back. So we briefly talked about John Waters' hairspray on your last episode, and we decided to invite you back for a full episode of Hairspray, (laughs) our first John Waters movie on the podcast. Wow. Oh, well, I'm glad I can uh, christen John Waters' (laughs) podcast. So, and Brian, you were an extra in this movie because you were from Baltimore. Yes, I was a, a council guest dancer. <laughs> that is amazing. That's so cool. That's I like the ultimate, if you want to like break the ice with someone, if you're out at a gay bar, just mention that you're an extra in John Waters' Hairspray. It it actually has, has kind of done that Has sometime. it bought you numerous <laughs> drinks? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, cool. Drinks and a dance. I'd use it. I mean, <laughs> of <come> course. <laughs> yeah. It it was it was a inter- you know, it was a time and it was a f- family full circle in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did well, I guess we'll just talk about it. like the the we'll talk about all of how that came to be you being in this movie. Yeah, and, we'll get into it. Okay. And all of our thoughts on on this. Oh my god, I love it. Well, I want to. Well, we immediately knew that we had to do a John Waters movie in season two, and I suppose there was a few different directions we could have introduced John Waters on this podcast. Sure, but I'm glad that we picked Hairspray. Yes, uh, I mean, uh, I had a lot of 
feelings about uh, Johnny Depp in uh, Crybaby. It's a good one. Between me down there. But because uh, <laughs> he definitely knew how to wear a pair of five hundred ones, yeah, in uh, in Crybaby. But this is kind of this was my first, this is my introduction to John Waters, you know, uh, into that crazy world. I just feel like it's the it's the one that kind of if you're not familiar at all with his work, then it can it can introduce you to the world of. It's a good John rain yeah. in the dream dreamland. Yeah. yeah, because there's because there's enough. Like, what did they just do? Still in it to yeah, harken back to where he's coming from. Yes, yeah. It's not like uh, it's not like Pink Flamingos or Female Trouble, where you're yeah. just like, is this a porno? <laughs> <laughs> when 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 they start taking their clothes off? Oh, that's when they start taking the clothes. Yeah, off. and I was gonna say it's a good reined in version of John Waters too that. Yeah. It doesn't quite go off the rails like most of his movies, and that's why sure. we love John Waters. But they set out to make a family movie, and I'll be damned if John Waters didn't make, <laughs> didn't make a family movie. A family but, movie. But I'll also say it's kind of because the material that it's all based on kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Sure. I mean, the the race relations in Baltimore at that time mm-hmm. and what really yeah. happened to the real the Buddy Dean show and uh, things like that, that, you know, that is enough – meat right there oh for sure know, yeah yeah and i mean since this is this is one uh this is an early example of a movie being turned into a broadway musical that was in turn produced as a hollywood major motion picture right so there's a lot of that's happened a couple times so since there's then, a but. lot of younger <laughs> generations that their only context for hairspray is the musical the 2007 the movie of the musical. Uh, movie of the musical. Yes. Indeed. Right. Yeah. And that that's why I'm glad you guys are doing this. Since this movie, all those songs are of the time. Right. Um, a lot of them regional to the Baltimore area. Yeah. And the location filming in Baltimore, you know, I can say this as is my hometown. Baltimore <laughs> is a time warp in some oh, of those I neighborhoods. Yeah. And in 88... They didn't take a lot of fixing for those yeah. neighborhoods to look like they were from the sixties. <laughs> That's amazing, and I know John Waters is a stickler for location shooting, area, area geography, and geography in his yeah. movies because that's kind of Scott and I are very uh, we're we're such movie nerds. We rewatch movies, watch them multiple times, and being that we're you know in the Los Angeles area, so many movies are just set here because of convenience and shooting. Right. Uh, it's just kind of sticks in my craw if somebody's like driving somewhere and they're driving and that the direction of the vehicle in the movie is completely wrong i'm just like why would they be going that way to go to that city you know uh and i know john waters is very particular about it's that. like in the movie pecker when they walk out of the laundromat you can literally trace the journey to pecker's house just from like where they're follow, where they're going, sure. Or when like the limo is driving down the street and Cecil be demented, yeah. You can literally track that on a map. Yeah, they're going in the right direction, and um, you, it's interesting though the way you talked about Baltimore because this movie doesn't take time to like pretty it up like the right. music, like the I feel like and the musical while still kind of embracing the uh john waters-ness of it and the kind of like seedy you know like filth of john waters but the exteriors do look a lot 
prettier yeah. than this. You know, yeah. they look mm-hmm. more like movie sets where this looks like they just drove out there yeah. to, you know, to these locations, those row houses, you oh, know, yeah. that they lived in. And, and, uh, we were, when we were watching it, I was like, well, even, uh, even Amber and the Von Tussles, they even live in a row. I mean, they have the oh, whole yeah. house, yeah. you know, the turnblads live there. There were the upscale row houses yeah. and the not so much. <laughs> the and, shade and brick looks a little prettier. It's, yeah. It's really interesting, uh, when you're in Baltimore and that whole kind of like class structure of row houses yeah. is very interesting too. Yeah. And also just speaks of period architecture sure. and what they would, the amount of detail and interesting things they would put in it anyway. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we don't have anything like that here on the West coast. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like townhouses, but they don't look anything like a, no, like not an at all. East coast row house. I think of like Rocky. I think of this, you know, right. that's like right. just so foreign to me being from here. All right, Scott, what do you got? Well, a little background on Hairspray, John Waters' Hairspray. Opened February 26, 1988. Hairspray was a moderate success in its initial theatrical release, earning a modest $8 million. So it did make back its budget in its initial release. But it managed to kind of attract its larger audience thanks to its home video and cable uh, airings of the early 90s and has since become a cult classic on also... The film was nominated for six Indie Spirit Awards in the early years of the Independent Spirit Awards, including nominations for Licky, Ricky Lake and Divine, and it won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. So, And also, John Waters wrote the screenplay under the title White Lipstick, with the story <laughs> loosely based on real events. The Corny Collins Show is based on the real-life Buddy Dean show, as we mentioned, a local dance program which preempted Dick Clark's American Bandstand in the Baltimore area during the 50s and early 60s. That's – I mean, that's so cool that yeah. this is like – that there's so much um... – reverence for like this real uh, you know show that that took place in the area you mentioned before how long was the buddy dean show on each day it uh it was two and a half hours a day oh for six days a week oh and um you know so it ran from 57 to 64 it, it just you know he knew as someone who grew up then uh as divine would have also uh you know all of that teenage energy and angst only had so many outlets back then. And so yeah. these dance shows and the social lives of the – in Corny Collins' council, the Buddy Dean caught at the committee, uh, those regular dancers, that, that was important stuff, yeah. serious for them back then. Yeah. Um, and these kids, like, do they go to – like, they had to go to school. Yeah. They get pulled out of school to be on this <laughs> – this local I dance mean, show for they got hours to leave at early, time. probably at like two thirty. Not worry about every, their homework every day. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know how that worked? <laughs> I love uh, that. Though. I I don't. It was like a local celebrity. Uh, but yeah. I would imagine that there was just a fascination with all of these kids and teenagers watching the shows this time. Yeah. Of who were these teenagers that were just these local celebrities? They would do local yeah. commercials. They yeah. would do like they would make appearances at dances mm-hmm. and like special record events. So John Waters talked in the commentary about these kids being being celebrities because like you said when you're when you're a teenager and you're in this town and it's the 60s, you know, pre-internet and cable TV and all that stuff, you get so immersed in in their lives. So they were local celebrities, but on the other side of that, I can imagine when they did go to school just getting kind of 
picked on or made fun of or whatever. Because I, I know, growing you know, growing up in L.A. especially, you always knew somebody that went to school with like the third lead on like Punky Brewster or something. The industry know? kids. And and as a kid, you're like, wow, they go to school with like the kid from who's the boss's like cousin or whatever. And then it turns out that that person just was like annihilated every day because people would just pick on them all the time. I mean, it's a jealousy thing for like small kids, yeah, but yeah. it's like a, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. I don't know if like the tougher crowds seeing someone in school who was a dancer would have, you know, been like, oh, you know, yeah. Uh, but then again, you know, I, I just don't know if they would have taken it, at, taken it all in at a different uh, level because it was also the time when, uh, I mean, the music of the day. Yeah. To to be hearing a lot of these things for the first time before we know a lot of stuff as, as classics or the yeah. genre and everything, uh, it was all formative to them too. Sure. And, and it, they would test out a lot of the music with the record companies in places like Baltimore, right? With these types of shows. I, I guess, the, I guess they would. I think they did do that a lot, mm-hmm. uh, um, with any, with any of the local dance, uh, places, because, you know, it, it's also a time when just about every city throughout the country had their own local programming. Yeah. Yeah. So like so a lot of show a lot of cities would have their own kind of a version of of this before American Bandstand kind of went nationwide, I would imagine. I I would think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, every city had their own version of like a creature feature with right. a, with a, with a host. type yeah. of host of some sort, mm-hmm. you know, the cartoon presenter for when kids got back uh, you know, got home from school. Yes. Um we had Family Film Festival on Channel 5. Yeah. On Saturday and Sunday mornings and afternoons. Yeah, we didn't have, loved it. We didn't have anything like this in Montana growing up. <laughs> Family Film Festival was amazing. He would show Pippi Longstocking and Three Stooges mm-hmm. and like, and he would draw a little picture on like this whiteboard. It was great. Um, but also the other thing about like just the timing is like, you know, people talk about or like historians talk about like the 50s being just kind of like this revolutionary time for the American teenager, you know, coming into their own and being able to drive cars and, you know, and, and the music kind of changing so drastically. And like the, the music of this movie, this is like this, this soul music, these like sixties, like girl groups, things like that. Um, Music is definitely changing. Young people are changing how music is being listened to across the country. And it's changing from like, you know, Lawrence Welk. Right. And like all of that to what will become rock and roll. You right. Know, in like 10 years. Right. And even even Prissy Amber Von Tussle, the, you yeah. know, the villain of the piece and the, the kind of like uh, bigoted white family yeah. piece. She still says, though, uh, that is in regards to the music that it's it's got a beat and you can dance to yeah. it when her mother asks you know why are you dr- dancing to the colored music yeah. so uh whether or not she will defend you know black people she'll, de- she'll <laughs> defend reason. the music yeah. because she knows it's good yeah. you know i mean that is uh still prevalent today i mean it's it is nothing has changed in that <laughs> in that arena um don't you, you get got something against shelly fabere <laughs> <laughs> I remember as a kid, Shelly Fabre was on Coach. She was like the love oh, interest right. of Craig T. Nelson on Coach. And I mean, to me, as like a small child watching the sitcom, I didn't know her from, you know, I wouldn't know that she was like a teen, you know, singer. Right. And you, she's in some of the Beach Party era. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Also. That makes sense. Younger. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I also thought when I would watch Coach, which I didn't very often because I was an adult person show. Yeah, that's a grown-up show. Yeah, it was a grown-up show. They didn't really watch. <laughs> there were no kids on Coach. But I always remembered I couldn't pronounce her her name. I just remember reading it going, okay, that's I don't know how to say that. But then like later on, I put two and two together. Scott, when did you first see Hairspray? You know, this was not a movie that I grew up on. I don't... Th- I can definitely say my first John Waters movie, but I don't think that I probably watched Hairspray until probably seven years ago. Oh, wow. So I'm relatively newer to it, but my history of John Waters is I remember renting Cecil B. Demented when it came out in like 2000. That was like my first context for a cool John Waters movie that was a little independent underground at the time. Yeah. But because I just remember reading stuff in Premiere Magazine for it and uh, seeing it in my local video store. Uh-huh. And I remember that was my introduction to John Waters. Okay. And that movie is crazy. What did too. you think of it? Did just you- I just remember just <laughs> not really having a context for John Waters that I'm just being thrown into this movie. Yeah. And I'm pretty, I think I was into it. Yeah. When I first saw it. Okay. Just because, like, I, I really liked Melanie Griffith. <laughs> I was a big Milk Money fan. <laughs> Her finest hour. Yep. I just <laughs> I just forced Pete to rewatch Milk Money the you other night. You did indeed. But I was thinking that she just was a really great movie star. Sure. And I thought Stephen Dorff was really cute. It kind of had a random collection of... Supporting players that I remember, Adrian Grenier, Alicia Witt. So. Very early Michael Shannon. Yeah, early Michael Shannon. And Cecil B. Demented. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I in college, I discovered movies like Pecker, uh, Female Trouble, Pink Flamingos. So yeah. And now I think I have the criterions for all of the major John Waters movies. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, I have an older sister that I reference on the show a lot. Uh, I was. We need to get her on one of these days. We do because she introduced me to a lot of these movies. She would go and get them from the video store, and we would sit down and watch them. And I was eleven when this movie uh, was on video, and uh, you know she introduced me to Rocky Horror and you know Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, and you know weird shit like that. <laughs> we saw Frankenstein Unbound with Sting. When I was like eight, <laughs> what am I doing watching this movie? <laughs> it was. Um, I know. Th- I know he was in the Bride. The Bride. I'm sorry. The Bride was the Bride with Sting. That's yeah. it. Frankenstein Unbound with somebody else. But you know, we all, we saw all these weird movies, and she brought home Hairspray. And to me, as an 11 year old kid, I'm seeing this, and I see, you know, the opening credits of this movie, and. Uh, what's the the actor who plays Link? Michael St. Gerard. Michael St. Gerard. Michael St. Gerard is spraying his hair and he just looks like he's just like getting a blowjob. Yeah. He's like yeah. spraying his hair, you know, and these <laughs> girls, uh, it doesn't look like a lot of these, the teenage girl dancers, it doesn't look like they're wigged. This looks like all their hair that they just yeah. kind of did. You know, Ricky Lake said that her hair was never the same Rick, after this yeah, movie. Yeah, Ricky Lake's hair is nuts. Yeah. Yeah, the the hair, the, that was a whole <laughs> thing. And the people the, doing the hair, it was just a crack up. The oh, whole yeah. Thing was a crack up. Probably right? Debbie Harry is the only person that's wigged in the entire movie of the main cast. But Well, you, I mean, obviously, like like Divine. 
Yeah, but you know, I just remember seeing a lot of uh, seeing a lot of the jokes, seeing Divine, seeing you know John Waters coming in with the like uh, hypnotism, like stick getting Penny yeah. and Penny Pingleton. You're gonna wear a giant P, so everybody knows you're permanently punished. You know, and as an 11 year old, to me, I equated it with like an airplane kind of movie you know just right. that absurd humor so to me i was just like this is wacky this is that world right so because you it. wouldn't you wouldn't have been exposed to the kind of uh you know again the because of the setting of the film time wise the kind of almost like reefer madness sort right. of like yeah. Yeah. you know child psychology exactly. we better you know yeah so not getting that i got the broad jokes and to me the broad humor really kind of pulled me in and then just kind of seeing like i don't know something about seeing ricky lake being like this chubby girl as the as the main character and and then there was the like the you know the big uh racial message throughout throughout the movie but yeah something about just seeing like the aesthetic of seeing Sonny bono and knowing who Sonny bono was even as an 11 year old just going right. okay he's like an old pop star that my parents listened to and now he's playing like the square dad you know so i i caught on to certain things and i just really grasped onto it and um took me on a a larger john waters journey Mm -hmm. i mean it wasn't long after that that uh crybaby came out my sister and i just were like okay this movie is everything all girls from East LA love them some crybaby. I mean, hmm. come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love Hatchet Face, first of all. But yeah, it was just uh I loved it the the first time I saw it, I thought it was super funny. And then now as an adult I just appreciate the larger themes that I kind of didn't get at the time. Um But yeah, it's 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 really good. And Michael St. Gerard is very cute. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I, I have in my notes Michael St. Gerard uh the the leading man that never was. Aww. He played Elvis in a couple Darn. TV movies because he's kind of a dead ringer for Elvis Presley. Kind of. And his career just never quite went anywhere. Well, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Which is kind of a shame because I think he is so handsome. I remember seeing Great Balls of Fire. He played Elvis in that. But the, I don't think that that's a very good movie. I remember seeing it, but I don't remember it being good or not. And that's with Winona Ryder and that's, Dennis that's Quaid, Dennis right? Dennis Quaid as Jerry Lee Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think you probably see Dennis Quaid's buns in that one because he showed him off in everything in the, <laughs> in the late 80s and early so 90s. Night, night, the lights went out in Georgia. <laughs> oh, what's my oh, favorite? Do you, do you see Dennis Quaid's buns in that? <laughs> you see a lot of them. I remember pausing... My laser disc of Interstellar, Interspace, inter, inter not uh, Interspace, because there's that opening shot with him in the in the sheet <laughs> when Meg mm-hmm. Ryan gets in the car and she drives away. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, I, so I got a little crushy on Sean Thompson, Mr. Corny Collins. Oh yeah, I was just note. I was just mentioning that today. I was like, that Corny Collins man, he's yeah. uh, something to that one. Corny Collins has always been a fun role for them to cast. Yeah. And the films are even on stage, too, because James Marsden's really good in the 2007 musical, yeah. too. So we don't have to uh, talk about the first time, Brian. This is a good movie. segue. So where were you when you found out about this little John Waters movie that's being shot in your hometown? Um, well, I'm trying to think of how the, the, it was shortly after the movie Tin Men. 
which you know uh, was a Barry Levinson movie. Sure. Who also filmed okay. everything there, and mm-hmm. and there was a I, I had a little extra work in Tin Men at the at the end of the movie. So that's what kind of put me on the network to hear about things. And then when they were talking about hairspray, um, I I had grown up with this music. Uh, you know, my my grandmother had taught dance uh she used to be a june taylor dancer at one point in her life and so she had this great record collection and my the parties that they would have i i just always felt something about this 60s dance music and mm-hmm. so when they talked about that they wanted um kids to be able to do the dances um we had this lightning round dance instruction in my grandmother's <laughs> basement with my my mother and i and went to this huge cattle call uh in downtown baltimore and um you know i was all prepared to do these big extravagant dancers and they just they didn't even give you time they basically wanted to see if anyone could even really move to the beat at all sure (laughs) and it wasn't until probably it felt like three months later i just assumed it just didn't go through and did you read about it in the paper that they were that they were casting dancing background extras i did maybe i think it was i think it wasn't in a trade paper but then it took a long time to hear back and then when they brought us in for a second go round uh mm-hmm. audition that was the stuff because uh the choreographer was ed love who was a solid the solid gold choreographer and his assistant uh kiki i'm sorry I, I don't recall her last name but it was a dance studio with mirrors all around the wall and all of us kids and they just put on the music and started doing the dance and it was like the elimination round with Motormouth Mabel. If you didn't pass muster, you would be tapped, <laughs> tapped out. on the shoulder, and they <laughs> like would they start showing a, you these steps. So they like did they that. Did Josh Lucas. That's yeah. Amazing. So or, uh, I felt like Josh Charles. Charles. Yeah. Yep. So they did that about four times, and then anyone who was left was in. Uh, but that, so that was really. I mean, as a young kid, you were like on your, you know, that's having tense. to be on the ball with it. Yeah. It was. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but but it was fun. It. I mean, that music, I just love that music, and I love the look of that time period. So when they would dress us like that, and then we had the music going, and the the vintage cars were brought in and everything, it was like time travel for me. That's so cool. In this shot of spring of 87, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah. I guess Mm -hmm. it was spring, and then the auto show, I remember, was probably the beginning of summer because it was the heat... In the auto show, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, you know, it was Baltimore humidity, full-on summer heat. I mean, it must have been in the upper 90s at least. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, I'll tell you a, a story, an almost casualty of that heat <laughs> later on. <laughs> so was probably the only time that Debbie Harry was around would have been at the auto show. Based well, on what you did. that's the only time I, yeah, I saw that you would have seen her. And she was like this – it just – you know, everyone else was very nice and approachable. And But she – like before she even hit, it was like this coolness, this smooth <laughs> coolness. Like you just knew this was a cool – Yeah. you know, you weren't sure if you should talk person or, or, or whatever. <laughs> and so it was just like bug eyes watching from afar. Yeah. And I think <laughs> – I'm going to admit this. I think I kind of freaked her out a little bit. And the reason is, um, you know, when they – I was always very uh, interested in special effects and makeup. Uh-huh. And so when they were decking her out 
for her last scene. The big explosion. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Do, do we want to talk about that? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. For- so, you know, when her giant wig with the bomb in it blows off prematurely off her head and yeah. goes flying across the room, you know, they, they had a live gag rigged for that. But, you know, they wanted to be able to show um, – like her head, like the hair burnt and mm-hmm. her almost bawled from the explosion. Yeah. And so they had to put that makeup on her. And I had only ever read movie magazines and books about how that sort of makeup was done. So they were doing it right next to where we were being uh, held waiting. So I was just staring like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And I know <laughs> – and also this was back before social media. So I, uh, my first movies, I would take my big – SLR camera with me and take pictures on the set and you know yeah. I'd take pictures of the crew and give it to them and everything so anyway I I took pictures of uh, her getting into that makeup or them applying the makeup but I, she started to notice, notice me watching her and started to like look away and everything and it wasn't I you know I'm telling you now Deborah it wasn't because I was being googly fan per se I was just very interested in the special effects we know you listen Debbie (laughs) we know that you subscribe to the show she's one of our super fans (laughs) that's kind of amazing though was she kind of was she one of the only was she one of the ones that the kids were just like oh we're really excited to see because I mean yeah yeah but like I say it was this kind of like you just weren't even sure how to handle it she just oozed cool oh my god like yeah. at a at a certain more adult level than oh, t- yeah you know divine was you know right in with the kids and laughing and yeah. really but but deborah harry you were just like oh my this is too cool i don't even yeah. know if i should walk over there <laughs> sort of cool you know? yeah because i can't imagine the kids were very much like oh i'm gonna wait around so i could say hi to jerry stiller <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like, yeah but now you hear my Debbie wherewithal harry. now would have like oh my god done that you know, totally you know, now but i mean but i feel like at the time kids yeah. would be like holy shit fucking Blondie. yeah i actually Blondie probably here. Yeah. if, if <laughs> ann mirror his wife right? were there i think i would have had a little more yeah recognition <laughs> for that i just you know as a kid on my radar that wasn't there yeah, yeah for sure so brian <laughs> you're also featured prominently in classroom scenes too how did you get pulled to be an extra sitting behind Tracy for um, those scenes. That actually – I feel like that happened first. Because you're uh, in a big when, scene where they send yeah. Tracy to the to special ed for her hair, right? Right. right. It's yeah. the hair, first time – and this hair actually – I'll tell you about the deleted scene before this. Ooh. So when you see her in that classroom scene um, and the geometry teacher, uh, Rhea Fiken, who was like a mainstay on uh, the Maryland Public Television. Oh, uh, cool. <laughs> Uh, so we're sitting behind her and we can't see uh, past her big hair. And there's a deleted scene where she breaks into Amber's house and steals her hair bleach and bleaches her hair yeah. in her sink. And that then explains why she's all of a sudden got that right. hair like that. I've, uh, always, I've always wondered that, that there would have had to have been a little scene that they would have cut in between yeah. In between yeah, there were there were some really interesting deleted scenes. The the ending had a huge deleted scene, but oh, I'll wait till we sure. get to that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I just always kind of assumed it's one of those movie things where it's like, all right, you just get that she knows she's got this big audition, so she's going to make herself look as, as good as yeah, possible. Yeah, and so. I wonder if when you look at some of the deletions um, you know, the real roach scene being one of them at Tilted oh, right. Acres, I wonder if it was starting to make her come off as more of a bad girl than the hero yeah, that she was. Sure. So that, I wonder if that maybe because yeah, to, to do when with you it. say it, that does seem out of character for uh, Tracy to like 
break into someone's home. Like, yeah. At that point, I, mean, I, I mean, Amber was horrible to her. Right. And I don't but, know the scripted setup right, of it, right. but, but maybe it was a little early to yeah. have her be badass yeah. with yeah. her. I don't know. And I would think that Tracy would be resourceful enough to blonde, to dye her hair blonde without having sure. to break into Amber's home, too. Yeah. Oh, peroxided out. <laughs> um, Teenage Jezebel. Some of the dialogue in this movie, especially so some good. of the things that Divine gets yeah. to say are just amazing and just harken back to a bygone era. And it's, it's one of those things that my memory thinks that Divine's going more over the top. But what I think is no. so brilliant about this performance <laughs> is that it is understated. It is understated. She's, she's playing this character but very real. Let me tell you also, um, you know, the Baltimore accent, <laughs> which is in so many John Waters movies. Yes. Passing in itself <laughs> seems over the top. Sure. But when you're in some of the neighborhoods where they film, it's just it is there. And yeah. I, I I try not to slip into it. But you know, Juan, like if I want to slip into it, it's very easy. I don't really We were Don we, Davenport's passing notes. Passing notes. So we were watching a little bit of the um uh, of the two thousand seven hairspray. Yeah. And John Travolta tries to do the Baltimore accent. That was bizarre. But it's it, so weird. But it just comes off like share. Yeah. Like, oh, I, Tracy. It's oh. it's really strange. I don't know why like someone, you know, as an actor, someone could have said, you know, a coach come yeah. over and be like, you know, do this. But I don't But know he's trying for like, the Baltimore accent and my it doll, just my dot pulls a worn off. It just slips <laughs> into share. It's yeah, so weird. So I think my favorite instance of the Baltimore accent is the voiceover in Pink Flamingos done by John Waters. It's in <laughs> at the very beginning of that movie um i have a little bit of um of divine talking to or edna turnblad talking to tracy and her best friend penny pingleton okay young ladies i've just about enough of this screeching music mother we're watching the Cordy collins show penny your mother called all frantic she said you were punished i'm always punished and tracy i have told you about that hair all ratted up like a teenage Jezebel. Oh, Mother, you're so 50s. Uh, Tracy's flamboyant flip is all the rage, Miss Edna. Jackie Kennedy, our first lady, even rats her hair. But Tracy ain't no first lady, are you, Tracy? No, sirree. She's a hair hopper. That's what she is. Now, I've got nothing but hampers of ironing to do, and my diet pill is wearing off. Tracy, I want you to go to your room and study. And Penny... Don't you be listening to every bit of nonsense that my daughter tells you. Oscar-winning line delivery as far as I'm concerned. It's so good. I love it. She says, your mother called all frantic. <laughs> so a hair hopper. And when yeah. we were watching the commentary, John Waters talks about how that's an old Baltimore uh-huh. term for a woman that would do up her hair and tried to sort of pass herself off like being from the upper class, even though she was probably living in the not. So great part of right. town. <laughs> right. There's right? there's all sorts of nuance to Baltimore hair in that sure. time period. You know, the you know, the, there was the there's the saying the higher the hair, the closer to God. But oh, yeah. you know, again, you know, educated eyes can spot a hair hopper big hair <laughs> a mile off from a truly upper class yeah, high sure. hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Um the white lipstick, that's something that I never really understood. Um, that's mentioned in uh, in 
Roseanne, when they talk about, they pull out pictures from their like high school days. Oh yeah, and, well you know like the like the girls who wound up being the tough girls. Sure, were often the white lipstick. The white, uh, <laughs> I love a good bad girl in a John Waters movie. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> got a knife in my pocketbook. I'm gonna cut you up after class. After class. I'm a pocketbook. <laughs> um, yeah, pocketbook. That's another one that uh, when I was a kid, I was like, what the fuck is a pocketbook? Um, Div- Divine's journey in this movie, Edna Turnblad, she just is in a house coat. Where they introduce, how they introduce the character and how in her style progression in the yeah. movie is really well done. Yeah. yeah. She's, uh, you know, she's just like a laundress for like her neighbors. She just does, you know, laundry for, for, people in the building or on the on, you know on the block or whatever but then ultimately she becomes like tracy's manager it's interesting because at first she's just like you know you're a hair hopper turn off that turn off that music that racket but they're very particular when like one of her customers is over and she talks about the kids listening to that type of music she does kind of defend Tracy and the kids. She's just right. like, oh, they're just teenagers. Well, to your point also about when she starts to become Tracy's manager, you know, when you were asking about what those real dancer celebrities would have been like, yeah. I mean, this is also kind of like dance moms before. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, the stage parent. The momager. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, so Edna, while she's kind of wants to. You know, she wants what's best for Tracy, but on the other hand, when people get a little too, you know, intense with their, like, subtle racism or anything, she's just, she's quick to kind of say, like, well, they're just teenagers, you know, just let them, let them listen to music, whatever. Because once Tracy does get on the show and people start calling and, She takes to it pretty quick. She does. She takes it pretty quick. And she's, you know, it only takes her a little bit of nudging to get, to get her hair done. But I love that she's just like... The beauty shop? What? Like, <laughs> she would never go into a beauty shop, but I guess she was just setting that hair at home. Yeah. And that that strip, that street that had the hefty hideaway, uh, <laughs> w- w- it was really Pacey's department store. Like, all of those things looked exactly like that yeah. at the time of filming. They, <laughs> they had to change nothing but the name on the sign, it, you know, and for a long time That's after amazing. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, Penny and uh, Tracy kind of, I don't know if they ditch class, but they hear that there is going to be an opening on the Corny Collins show. So they go to the, you know, they go to the auditions and uh, the kids are kind of mean to all of the girls that are auditioning, but especially to Tracy because she's, she's the bigger girl. She's a trash can. I love whenever Amber just mouths whore. Yeah. <laughs> whore. Whore. Yeah. She's adopted. <laughs> yeah, whenever whenever you just want to s- spread a nasty rumor about someone, I love that just saying that they're adopted. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they uh they go the audition and Tracy sh- she shows like this poise in front of the fake cameras. She's also a really good dancer as she demonstrates at the uh, the, the Corny Collins record yeah, hop, the VFW hall. Yeah. yeah, so that's like a dance that that wasn't televised like in like in the movie, right? That dance it was like a record hop they called it. I took it that they were sampling new music from the record company. Yeah, because the show was the show, but that mm-hmm. was right. at the VFW. Yeah. So that yeah. was that was like you know like the Buddy Dean when he would go uh-huh. around and actually 
have the record hops and everything okay. like that. Yeah. Okay. So that was just a dance that anybody could go to. Right. Okay. Except. Right. <laughs> Not anybody could go to it. <laughs> right. They were segregated. Um, right. So she shows at this record hop that she, she just kind of jumps in there and does the Madison with everybody. Yeah. And I don't like line dances. First of all, <laughs> the, the medicine doesn't seem too hard, the, the medicine itself. But then when he starts saying all those right. things and throwing See, it in there. That's the thing. You have the basic step. Yeah. And then Aren't you stepping they, into they, like an M formation? Yeah. One of them, he says. Do yeah, yeah. But you, you know, if you watch it uh, and if you uh, look on YouTube at some of the original Madison dances, it, it's it's upper body cool. So you throw at it when you're when you're tracing the M. It is attitude <laughs> in each direction that the M goes, yeah, you know. And yeah. so, but you do have you do have the caller who calls the different moves yeah. to go into. And uh, uh, I guess I'll take this time to just say, you know, one of my disappointments with the movie is that all of the dances were always done to their entirety. And they're okay. very trimmed for the movie. Sure. Uh, and we danced our ass Oh, my God. <laughs> However, in the case of the Madison, there's the one uh, – it's the uh, the Jackie Gleason step. Yeah. And that threw everybody off. It's very – it was very hard to recover from because you do the famous Jackie Gleason and away we go. Yeah. And, we could never come back out of that step. So <laughs> there's a very it, there's an edit in that, mo- okay. <laughs> in that movie that recovers for us yeah. because we just could never. We did everything else, um, but it's a it's it's a fun dance and there's lots of neat variations. Yeah, because when he says like Jackie Gleason, I was like, what's the Jackie? And then I see everybody kind of do. I'm like, oh okay, yeah. that's the like you know the line or whatever. And away we, we go. go. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that one. I feel like I would just get all jumbled if I had to do that. Yeah. Especially on camera. Um, but yeah, she, Tracy jumps right in there and you know, Ricky Lake is selling it. This is what what really showcases why they cast Ricky Lake in this movie. Yeah. And John Waters was saying on the commentary that, um, it was easy to cast a, cast a bigger girl that could act, but could she dance though? Yeah. And Ricky could do it all. He said that they had no backups. It was Ricky Lake or no one. (laughs) <laughs> interesting mm-hmm. yeah um so after she does really well at the at the record hop she goes to the audition uh nails the audition gets invited to be on the council and is on tv like that day for like right <laughs> penny runs home can i can i just say of something course. quickly about yeah. the record hop um you know it, you know, again, since we were all kids in this movie that was a period piece, a lot of these things introduced things to me for the first time. Uh-huh. Uh, Ruth Brown as Motormouth Mabel in that record. So hop, good. Like, yeah. I had no idea of her actual singing past until later. And, right. when, and when I found out, she is something to look up. Okay. She is really worth looking up Ruth Brown in the 60s. And so it makes me appreciate even more that she was taking part in this uh, right. movie doing that. Yeah, because she gets kind of higher billing. She they drop her name in the trailer. She's yeah. like, you know, when they in the credits and stuff, she's up there. So I always assumed that she must be, you yeah. know. Yeah, and she's she's good. She's got some good stuff. Yeah. So. yeah. They made her Look wear that up, everybody. they made her wear that blonde wig, that blonde hard front wig. Yeah. It's not the best uh 
blonde wig. And Queen Latifah got the better end of that deal because she, <laughs> Queen Latifah looks a lot more glamorous in the 2007 musical version. She's got like these beautiful lace front wigs and like this awesome wardrobe. But these dresses that they put on Ruth Brown. John Waters says else. that he made her cry in her trailer because she didn't want to wear any of the wigs or dresses that they gave her. I mean, the wardrobe's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, Motormouth Maybell's clothes are nuts. Right. And, and they're not know, flattering on And her. it's interesting you say that, though, because, you know, again, as someone who lived through the 60s as a singer yeah. and, and wore a lot of, you know, crazy stuff, yeah. she probably had a real awareness on what worked with her and everything. Yeah, so that's a, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. I, I also wanted to just say real fast uh, on that record hop, um, when Town Without Pity came on, Oh yeah, John Waters was very specific with all of us uh, that this was the makeout song, and that <laughs> this was the sort of time. This was the time in a record hop that everyone waited for because the lights went down, <laughs> and this is as close as you could get yeah. to to sex. You know, <laughs> is the makeout on the dance floor, and he wanted us to take it very seriously. And he said, "If anybody laughs, we're going to cut you out of the movie." Oh, so we were very serious about it. And the girl that I was paired off with uh, had these big round clip on. Uh, earrings and so when we're in the you know the camera was weaving in and out of the crowd so they were getting a good shot of everybody not knowing what they were going to use but uh her uh, as i was nuzzling her my nose unclipped her earring oh no just as the camera was going by and you know i i was so scared that they were going to cut us out because you know like she's laughing in my shoulder but she wasn't facing it so it was just a funny moment but <laughs> the bigger point being that he really stressed the whole make out portion yes. of, yeah. of the they would never pop. show that on on TV too <laughs> well that, like yeah, make right. out dances yeah well i mean he's serious about uh showing that off because there's a big make out dance scene in crybaby as well and those actors are like yeah licking each other they're really going at it in yeah. that <laughs> but it's just part of that aesthetic it's just part of the like crazy john waters world right that he's just going to show these and teenagers. also showing you you know that the teenage hormones and everything regardless of the time period yeah are still looking oh, for yeah, that for they're sure. still looking for that outlet you know yeah when uh um amber drives home and uh, Link is in the car with her and he jumps on her and starts making out and she pushes him off because I happen to have a blemish. He gets out of the car and he's yeah. like frantically adjusting his pants. Right. Yeah. Because there's like those, first of all, those pants were are tight as hell. Like those, that, you know, period of clothing. And so it's like, all right, he's got this boner and he's just like fully like readjusting himself in the middle of the street. I love that. And also Amber's car is amazing. Yeah. First of all, it sure even, is. Yeah, I didn't even take the time to figure out what it was, but that car was crazy. A, I think is it a red Corvette? Maybe? It's red. Yeah, and it's probably a Corvette. Yeah, like the seats. It's like a two seater, yeah. and it's just like, oh my god, it's so cool. I just love how. Oh well, her father does something with cars, right? Because the auto show is he involved somehow? Because I'm like, how is he affording this car for? Does he own a know? car dealership? <laughs> Well, I know that. Well, he they run the amusement park. Oh, they run the amusement park. There you go. Right. I guess that uh, Sonny Bono was running for mayor of Palm Springs at the time they were making this movie, and Sonny Bono was pretty familiar with John Waters' work. So when he would read the script, he'd be like, "So what else is in this movie?" 
It's like, what are you, what are you not showing? <laughs> what are you leading up to? Well, what yeah, you... <laughs> he probably just got his sides and was like, okay, yeah. so when does Divine like eat the dog shit in this movie? Because that was so like, I mean, that was what was legendary about John Waters when you started to read up about it, and when I, you know, asked my sister, what is this movie? What's going on? And she was just like, this director is just like this underground, like punk rock, like He's movie so director. Cool, yeah, and like Divine, and I'm like, who's Divine? And she like telling me about this. Like, like drag queen i'm just like that's a man you know right <laughs> um which probably going to what you said scott earlier about the uh film making its budget but not being a huge success yeah. at the first time is it was a big jump to expect yes. audiences yes. to make from the knowledge of eating shit in one yeah, movie yeah. to to this movie so yeah. you know uh, it's probably lucky that it even did what it did. Yeah. Because what was the last thing that John Waters had done? Polyester? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And even that, while still a little bit more tame, that's still pretty subversive. Yeah. You yeah. know, when you really get down to Now, it. he didn't do that Western movie with Divine no. and Tab Hunter. No, that's someone not. else? Yeah. That's someone okay. else. Lust in the Dust. Yeah. yeah. With Divine, Tab Hunter, and... The amazing Lady, Lady Kazan. Kazan. Yeah. <laughs> I would always see the box for Lust in the Dust at the like, video what store. The fuck is this like, movie? What is this? <laughs> I never rented it. I feel like I still I need to see it. So we just got the 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 new Criterion of Polyester, and I hadn't seen it in a few years, and I forgot. I kind of underestimate how crazy that movie is. It's like in my mind, I don't remember it being as crazy as. It was, and yeah. then I revisit it, and it's like, <laughs> there's the Baltimore foot stomper. There's the Baltimore foot stomper. There's yeah. the woman biting the tire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it comes with the Smell-O-Vision card, and Scott's yeah. like, so let's do the Smell-O-Vision card. And I was like, no, don't yeah. scratch it. It'll like run. The scent yeah. will run out. We've got to preserve that scent yeah. forever. <laughs> it's it's funny that you talk about the Baltimore Foot Stomper. Uh, the last <laughs> song in Hairspray during the credit roll is yeah. Foot Stomping. Foot Stomping. <laughs> I caught that when we watched it the other night. I was like, is this where the Baltimore foot stomper came from? It probably was. <laughs> so, um, well, uh, Tracy does eventually make it on to uh, the council. I just wanted to play this. It's really funny. Penny, pay attention. You'll wake the dead. Tracy's not home yet. Plus, your mother called, and she's on the warpath. I know, Lysanda. Can I come in? Uh, there's something you both got to see. Well, yeah, come on up. But I've got ironing, and Wilbur's working. Uh, Mr. Chamberlain! It's not war with Cuba, is it? <laughs> or more Negro problems? No, you see. Did poor Debbie Reynolds have a nervous breakdown? This better be good. Broad daylight and I'm sitting in front of a TV. <laughs> I've seen the Corny Collins show. Thank you, Penny. Just watch. I just lost a $2.69 silly putty sale. This better be worth it. Wait, you'll see. Just watch. Broad daylight, sitting in front of the TV. <laughs> I'm going to say that next time I'm <laughs> trying to catch up on Netflix shows. <laughs> yeah, I, I also like, there's a little bit of the Corny Collins show that gets, uh, that interrupts that little bit, but the when they do finally see her on screen and divides it. Big as a house. Yes. <laughs> I love how Divine is introduced in that scene hanging out of the window. Yes. Penny, Penny, I love that image. <laughs> yeah. And, but that was a very row house 
thing. Like yeah. being on the porches, hanging out the windows, having mm-hmm. full conversations, one person <laughs> in the house, one person in the street. That I grew up with that. And the mural that's, so that's on the side of the building, too. Were there stuff like that in Baltimore? Oh, that you yeah. remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, a good old-fashioned joke shop that her dad runs i mean you don't see joke shops but that to me is very john waters that the Mm -hmm. dad runs a joke shop and he uses like itching powder like at the end of the movie like what is itching powder it's just like it's just like powdered asbestos that he's like pouring on these people i don't know it was in the back of comic books all growing up right up into the 80s you could that in the x-ray glasses seems through clothes yeah i remember (laughs) even like being a young kid and seeing those comic book ads for like build a rocket at home out of Mm -hmm. like household appliances and well of course sea monkeys but yeah. sea monkeys you could get at like a toy store. But some right. of the things was like, do you remember like seeing some and it would be like a real monkey? Oh yeah, like in a comic yeah. book. That like, was a that was a popular. But what would you get? You wouldn't get a monkey. Would they just take your money? And six to eight weeks later, you get like a dead monkey. Like, how do they send you a monkey? Because I also remember they would be like ten dollars or something, or maybe it was like that's like something you'd see out of the Simpsons or something. It, no, it's true, and that's it's, like that's yeah. where they got it from. Like, I'm gonna find an ad comic book with an ad for a real monkey. Monkeys, ducks, and alligators were very popular pets. Pets, for a while. right? Yeah, like a little spider monkey with the long tails. Yeah, I think it was just like a little like tree monkey <laughs> you could get out of a comic book. <laughs> I'll find an ad. You you'll you'll believe me. Um so Edna becomes Tracy's manager and takes her down to the hefty hideaway to get uh, uh, an endorsement deal. Because these teens would do commercials. Were they on air for like a specific product that they would just take a commercial break and they would just have the teen be pushing like I don't know. Oh, yeah, because a lot of that, a lot of the TV shows back then would do that. You know, the camera literally would move to one side of the room, and there would be a little thing to endorse or oh, talk right. about. Yeah. Um, an, an archivist friend of mine has um, very, very early color uh, uh, tape of um, Dinah Shore's first TV show, and some of the commercials they would do within the context of the show were. Amazing, really. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It was very interesting, and that was like in the late fifties. I I love the the hefty hideaway and the um, I forget the character's name, but the man who Mr. Pinky, Mr. Pinky. Yeah, just he's like really good. <laughs> yeah, His whole little jingle and everything. He's very good. I think, and he's he, got like the comb over hair. Yeah, and like I think that he that. became like a John Waters staple too. I think that he's in most of his movies after this. Yeah, I think he's in a couple. I think he's definitely in 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 Cry Baby, um, and he's got like a he's got like a a table full of like donuts and pastries, yeah. like for the ladies and funhouse mirrors, so that they all look thinner. <laughs> Did you notice? I didn't. Oh, notice. we didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> They're all funhouse. I like Edna's like negotiating skills, and she's like throwing the throwing some petty pants. <laughs> I'm like petty pants. What are those? See, now this is the scene <laughs> in particular that. When I watched the John Waters scene or the John Travolta scene mm-hmm. from 2007, and then I watched this scene, it's like night and day of which one's better. Just yeah, Divine's I mean, line delivery of when she's like making this like business transaction is yeah. so good. Yeah, it is, and uh, I mean, I mean, John Travolta's just that performance is off the wall. It's just bananas. Mm-hmm. So it's like not even in the same like room as this, but um. 
She they immediately go and like get makeovers. Uh Mrs. Turnblad mm-hmm. Edna like gets her hair done. Yeah. She gets well, like Welcome to the sixties. Welcome to the sixties, <laughs> mom. Yeah, and then that becomes a song in the musical. Uh, <laughs> um she gets the big like the big like soup can curls. Yeah. Like and it's just a giant pile on top of her head. I love that. Um and yeah, Tracy's like a full blown member of uh, of the council, but then pretty soon she gets uh, she meets seaweed because she gets in hair detention at school. She gets as, in trouble. As Brian would know, because he was there. <laughs> That's true. He was there when she was sent to hair detention. I do have to say, in the scene where she gets hair detention... The principal's office? Yeah. <laughs> well, that... The, the other, the other kid... The other jumped. kid that gets smacked, like, really hard wow, by that woman? what's that those, for? Those, those were the days. <laughs> she, like, hits her with a purse. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I hope that just person had a buckle they, or just like snacking a, kids. I, a buckle I just or a find it. <laughs> I have to say, I get really impressed with these people that you've never seen again. Like, like yeah. that little girl. Ow, yeah. mom, what's that what's for? That like, for? they're so funny. Yeah, it is really, it's really funny. And again, that's just that crazy John Waters. That was me as a kid going, "Oh my god, what the hell?" But uh, what I was going to say was, I don't feel like Tracy's hair is that much bigger than some of the other girls in the class because some of them have like high ponytails or will have like a little like a beehive kind of a thing. And Tracy's hair is tall, but it's not that tall. I think she was being punished because she's the big girl that has. But the it's big also hair. it's also flipped and peroxided. It, it is, crossed yeah, the line. This is true, and it's ratted. To, I mean, the girls that have ponytails are just kind of pinned yeah. up, and her hair is ratted. Which, I mean, ratted just means teased, right? It's like they just they just said rat your hair, yeah. teased, and then back comb, sort of. Yeah, yeah. You tease it down yeah. and then back comb it to to get the height on it. Um, and so when she goes first, she gets uh, hair detention. Then she gets switched homeroom into the special ed and it's like we don't even call it special education anymore like yeah it's so pc like, culture has taken over and you, so you can't PC. say special ed well the thing was what like john waters was saying and even like tracy was saying is like they would just put the black kids in there to hold them mm-hmm. back you know it's like it wasn't even special ed it was just like you know i love the, the reveal kids. of how out of control the special ed classes when we're first introduced to it just kids going nuts in there yeah until the teacher walks in. I mean, the teacher's right. not in the room. So it's like... What's the teacher's name? It's crazy. It's something crazy. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, but this is where she meets Seaweed, who is uh, Motormouth Maybell's son? Yes. 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 And, and uh, they start dancing in class. Yes. And I think if you look closely mm-hmm. for uh, something that uh, the trailer talked about, you know wilder than Greece. <laughs> the dance that they do, they do a little hand jive. Yes, they do. Yep. When she's, they're doing the Pledge of Allegiance mm-hmm. and they all start doing, because the teacher is, is uh, looking at the flag. Yeah. So with her back turned, they all start to do the hand jive. I did kind of catch that in the trailer when he's like, wilder than Greece, it's hairspray. That's kind of funny that they're like, okay, let's capitalize on this 10 <laughs> year old movie at this point. Um, so we meet Seaweed and of course, Tracy is fine to make friends with him. Like none of the other kids would probably dare to make friends with, you know, a black kid in the special ed class, but Tracy doesn't care. He's a right. good dancer. So she's going to, she's going to become friends with him. Um, the dodgeball scene is insane. So this is a lot more intense than I remember dodgeball. <laughs> oh, I don't remember like a circle. Oh, now see like well, a sudden death circle. This is where I think it must be a generational thing as, <laughs> as the picked on fat kid, <laughs> In school, dodgeball, that 
was where they got you. And so yeah. the unathletic person, speaking as one of them, <laughs> suddenly became athletic because the last thing you wanted to do was get hit by that friggin' dodgeball because yes. it hurt. It stung. It yeah. stung. It left a red mark and it made a special ping when yeah, it hit that you. noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have like the red bouncy, oh, like those balls? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we all had those. Um, but, but I just remember just the gym being sectioned off and that's how we would play dodgeball. So like the movie dodgeball where yeah. you're facing each other and there's mm-hmm. a line down the middle. See, I had it in my elementary school where it was a circle. Yeah. And you were in the middle. It was like Lord of the Flies. It's like Lord of the Flies. That's dodgeball. even worse. That's terrible. I love what the girls are wearing in this scene of their, their gym outfits. They're like a, it's like a little pinafore. Mm-hmm. It's like a red pinafore over like a white like right. Oh yeah, when Oxford they when shirt, they like all march Pan out card. and like, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not the not the gym outfits that they had on in Carrie. Yeah. Right. Now is Pen- Penny's not in the special ed class? No, she's there, but I think she's just in regular because it's like the other kids, right? The they see ed the kids. special ed class coming out. Yeah. And I love how laughing. awful the gym teacher is when they see the special ed class come out. Right, that even the gym teacher's yeah. laughing at them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're all going to laugh at come you. Come on, let's play dodgeball. <laughs> That gym teacher is amazing. <laughs> this is special ed. <laughs> <laughs> but Amber beans Tracy in the face yep. with the dodgeball. And this is like Link's last straw. This is when he's like, fuck off. You're just being too mean. And he's already kind of shown interest in Tracy from like the show. Right. So from here, they uh, they go with Link to... Maybell's record store, mm-hmm. which this scene is amazing because that record yes. store is like super teeny and they're having a little dance. I mean, party it looks like there. a real record store that yeah, they shot it in. Does. Yeah. Do you and know where the record store is? I I don't. I don't know where it is. But there there was there were things like that all over. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of uh, I mean a downtown blue collar city thing. Yeah. The um some of the stuff with Penny's mom when she gets to like the black neighborhood mm-hmm. and is just oh, follow yeah, that yeah, car petr- petrified and like all the black people are just laughing, just laughing at, her. at her. It's so right. funny. She plays that really well. That character's really funny. She's yeah, she's very funny. Voodoo woman. Yeah. <laughs> Penny's mom is always a fun character whenever they cast it on stage. Jackie Hoffman, I believe, uh played that role first on Broadway. That would have been fun yeah. to see. Um, I have to say, I did see this with... Um, I saw it at the Pantages here in LA, and I did not see Harvey Firestein, but it was Bruce Valanche. Even better. Hmm. As Edna. Which was interesting. Hmm. Um, How is Bruce at singing? Well, also, because Harvey Firestein... I mean, yeah, exactly. not that he, great does a he singer. have to be no. better than Harvey? Yeah, so. <laughs> he, I think he just talks saying most of it. Yeah. And um, he actually broke once or twice and just made some jokes to the audience hmm. that were, like, topical. That's very br- that's very Bruce. Yeah, I think he made, like, a, like, he made, like, a political joke in the middle of it, but it was, like, about, like, George W. Bush. Huh. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> but I think somebody flubbed something and then he just kind of threw it right, in there. And it was, right. like, people, covered, la- people laughed. Yeah, yeah, people well, laughed. But it well, was very much do? like, yeah, I was like, all right, all right. Come on, Bruce. It was very Valanche, I have to say. Um, I don't really remember who else was, was in that performance because it was, like, 15 yeah. years ago. Um, but, yeah, this is, uh, you know, Tracy and Link are fully just, like, a couple now at this point, right? Um, yeah, and then the the uh, the Motormouth's record store is also where you get to meet her daughter. Oh little, yes, little Inez. Little Inez. Yep. 
that's a really good character. And Penny and Link, uh, not Link, Penny and uh, Seaweed mm-hmm. begin yep. like their romance. A checkerboard chick. Yeah. I love that. Kind of Salt what, and I, pepper. <laughs> what I think is really interesting when you go back and rewatch this movie now, just because we're a little more conscious as a 2020 audience of like white savior movies. Yeah. But I would not describe Tracy as a white savior in this movie. Why do you think that is? <clears throat> um, well, I think because she's very. It's kind of everything well, is just sort of happening, and but, she just ha- and and she's just there. Yeah. Well, I think you know again, you know John Waters and Divine grew up in this era. Yes. As school students, and so, um, you know there there were people, there were people who were always, uh, you know, against bigotry or just or, yeah. or like kids who didn't. Couldn't understand like why why bother with it you know I, I remember I remember my mom talking about her school days now Baltimore also had a big Jewish community she was in high school with Barry Levinson mm-hmm. and um, and Cass Elliot oh wow and uh, but she she talked about the uh, you know a lot of her friends who who were Jewish and watching them get also you know terrible harassment and everything and. You know, all of her record collection was the sort of thing that would be playing in Motormouth Mabel's Mm -hmm. store. So I think, you know, at a certain point, you also have to acknowledge that, especially in this time period, there that there's that kind of branching off of people who do, if they don't outright champion the cause, they just don't get the bigotry. Yeah. And it just wasn't part of them. And so there was a sort of bridging a transition for some people. Yeah. And also, too, I feel like critiquing subject matter like this and calling it like a white savior movie is a little bit more of a modern concept. Yeah. And I think at the time, I don't even think that would have been on anybody's radar to say like, oh, well, you know, this – the intentions are in the wrong place or whatever. But Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I think it takes the, a lot of times it takes younger people who are just kind of familiar with this culture and they're a lot more open to, you know, um, especially because of like the music and all of that. There are the kind of kids that were like, well, we'll listen to the music, but we won't like the people, but there's also the, the people that are like Tracy and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Penny. Um, We have to get to uh, well. First, there's the dance, right? That they go to. That's a uh, motormouth motormouth dance. dance. Yeah, yeah, and that just seems more fun than the <laughs> yeah. the buddy team. But it also shows you uh, because it kind of goes along with what happens later to the ending that didn't get shown. But mm-hmm. uh, when you see the black dancers. Uh-huh. Having a more, you know, that their dances, you know, were very specifically choreographed with the more, you know, sensual take, and yeah. pro- and probably with the accuracy of the time, you yeah. know, these period dances, um, you know, were they were very careful to to really show them as they should be. But you can see how it's more like a kind of get down groove, yeah. And um, and then I think even when Motormouth introduces Toussaint Macaw, you know, he he was a real singer mm-hmm. also you mm-hmm. know um so you're you're getting a lot of actual real history going yeah. with this yeah i mean that's a that's the thing that i think people forget a lot about 
this movie is that it's like it's a lot more than just kind of this lighthearted like funny you know like look at their hair and like the crazy yeah. dances that they're doing but it's like there's some social commentary yeah definitely that's not just like the nerds against like the weirdos which is usually kind of like that you saw a lot in 80s movies yeah yeah or even like just other john waters movies that are just like kind of gross out for the sake of like you know being perverse or whatever like i know that like in um i think it's multiple maniacs there's a lot of uh john waters has certain opinions about you know like like the manson family oh right you know right. and and uh they they talk about they talk about like uh you know the Manson family. Like I think it was before they knew who did it in Multiple Maniacs, and they talk about like, um, like Sharon Tate and things. And you're just like, is this bad taste? Like, should we not yeah. be yeah. talking yeah. about this? And he's kind of like become friends with like, with like Squeaky Frome, like in jail and stuff. And you're just like, John Waters, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. But it's just part of that whole like. As an outsider filmmaker and just an outsider in life, I feel like if you were a gay person, you know, growing up in the time that he did, there's a lot more of, you know, that outsider mentality that kind of sticks with you, you know, like right Right. now it's like, oh yeah, I'm an outsider, but we're, there's the acceptance level by general society is so much greater. Right. And you know, somebody like John Waters lived in a time when it was like he was out and being himself and doing these crazy movies and all that at a time when people were just like, no, you're a weirdo, you're a freak. Right. You and the know. whole, the whole, like, uh, what they would have called back then the counterculture. Yes. You know, yes. Like, well, when they exactly. run into the beatniks later, yeah. shortly after yeah. the, the uh, Motormouth's dance, and, uh, you know, um, that, that was that those were your outlets, you know. To go to go to the counterculture dances or hangouts, and yeah. then then there was an element of danger. Like, could you, you know, were you going to get into trouble, or what yeah. were they going to do, you know? And uh, and yet, you know, everyone is seeking their own. Yeah, and th- that is interesting. I, f- I totally forgot about the beatniks, but that's like yes. a that's like a, a you know this key scene in the movie mm-hmm. um, because. You think like Tracy and Link and all of them, they're like, they're the popular kids, but really to like kids a little older than them, they're kind of just like these bubblegum teenagers. But right. like the real cool kids now are the beatniks and they're just like, right. iron your hair. Well, and, and and like I said, though, with that element of danger, because they are doing, they might do drugs yeah, or something. They yeah. might smoke pot. I love so, that. I love that. I love how Ricky Lake plays that scene when she figures out that they're going to be smoking pot. Right. Well, yeah, Link is like, "Don't breathe." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's it's funny also because it's it it shows you that moment in time when when you are becoming the rebellious teenager. Yeah. But you don't you still haven't been had your eyes open to like what real street smart, yeah, or streetwise, yeah. you know counterculture is and so sure. even to them there's like reached a point of uh oh maybe we shouldn't have done this yeah yeah for sure and in classic john waters casting of how he cast the beatniks yes that's very specific <laughs> and something that you always see show up yeah. in john waters movies yeah i feel like rick okasic is a big get mm-hmm. and yeah. i mean pia zadora just well, do you remember when we were last talking about her that we were trying to find who from our parents generation would be their jessica simpson 
And didn't you mention her? <laughs> and I said P is the Torah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like she... Correct me if I'm wrong, but she just seemed like the kind of... She was more of a socialite and just was trying to find something to latch on to and tried her hand at like acting right. and singing. Right. And they would, you know... Pop songs right. and disco songs. Although she's and, very funny in this. She is like, very yeah. funny. Yeah. She is you very know, funny in this. Uh, but she never quite caught... No, got something that like latched onto that made her a big deal. Right, right. But she was kind of in things, you know. She would be yeah. on the Love Boat or you know, just random movies and TV shows, and had like a disco song and, yeah. and all of that. But she never quite like broke in a major way, but just kind of became a personality of like the seventies and eighties, yeah. right? Um, she does have, she, uh, is, uh, headlining a residency in Las Vegas, uh, these days. Do you know where it is? It's in a dinner theater off the strip. Um, but it, it's like an Italian restaurant, but her Instagram looks amazing. Hmm. And I kind of want to see this Piazzadora <laughs> review. <laughs> she still looks great. She's also in, uh, Santa Claus versus the Martians. That's as right. A small child, right? That's right. Um, which is interesting. But yeah, <laughs> she's uh, she's very well used in this movie. She is, and she's got quite she's got quite the resume. But that's again just one of those like stunt casting kind yeah. of kind of moments um, that John Waters is famous for. You know, bringing in people like Joey Heatherton and yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, and famously bringing in. Um, speaking of. The Manson family, but bringing oh, in Patty Hearst. Patty Hearst. You know, she's and, in numerous John Waters movies. Yeah, she's she, in Cecil B. Demented yeah. and then uh, uh, Serial Mom. And she's in Crybaby. And Crybaby. Yep. She, she kind of became the part of like his dreamland, you know, uh, repertoire along with Tracy Lords, you know. So it's just that, uh, it's just that weird eye for casting and bringing in these like these kooky people that populate. These movies, right. it's kind of genius. Rico Kasich is funny, um, but it's uh, in this a similar role in Crybaby is uh, Iggy Pop, mm-hmm. you know, as like the kooky grandpa, like washing himself and like a right. and like washed up, <laughs> like in the middle of. Who is their big musician? Get for a dirty shame. Was it Chris oh, Isaac? Chris Isaac. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember a Dirty Shame being funnier. Uh, well. I actually haven't seen it. In a I, while. It's I hard don't think for, I've ever seen a dirty it's hard shame to get a hold of, but it's it's good. It's cute. It's cute. Um, we have to keep powering through this, man, because we got to get to we got to get to Tilted Acres, and then mm-hmm. get, is it called Tilted Acres? Yes. Okay. I feel like I'm making that up every time. Uh, we got to get to Tilted Acres, and then to the auto show, right? Right. Um, Should we just talk yeah. about? The amusement park, of course. Then, so yeah. you were talking about what? What is this? Well, the Tilted Acres is is the uh, hairspray version of an amusement park that was in Baltimore called Gwen Oaks Amusement Park. Okay. And when I when I was real when I was really little, <laughs> you know, we would go there. I, I mean, first of all, you know, those traditional city amusement parks—that's kind of a thing of the past too. But I remember sure. just loving it, and I remember. We seem to stop going to it, and all I was told is that it, you know, it was kind of dangerous. Things had changed there, and we couldn't go anymore. And so, um, you know, I I never knew the the reasons why. Uh, you know, I didn't know anything about at that point, like 
certain areas having racial tensions or yeah. this, that, and the other. So anyway, uh, so Tilted Acres is supposed to be Gwen Oaks Amusement Park uh, in Baltimore, and uh, it was filmed uh, at uh, Dorney Park in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And Dorney Park is an amusement park of the day that still is around, and when other amusement parks shut down throughout the country, they acquire their rides through the years and everything. Um, there's a movie with um, uh, Stella Stevens and Rosalind Russell called Where Angels Go, Trouble Follows, and uh, they uh, they filmed there. And Susan St. James, when she was a really young girl, is in this movie too. <laughs> and it, it's the beginning of a road trip as uh, this stuffy mother superior and then the uh the novice you know hipping with it none <laughs> take the you know but anyway they filmed at dorney park too so it's that's probably one of many other movies that have been filmed there so, because Susan it Saint still James. looks like a 50 60 amusement park the rides and everything susan st james from kate and alley Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's amazing that it's just like i mean we have nothing like that here. yeah we had yeah. santa's village in uh, the San Bernardino Mountains that looked like a photograph of, like, the early 70s for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that eventually you didn't closed need, down. You didn't get anything like this in my rural community. And also, there was, like, snow seven months out of the year. Sure. Uh, Santa's Village uh, in the San Bernardino Mountains had a, a commercial that ran uh, all in the 80s that was very famous in Los Angeles. And now it always said, now you can see Santa <laughs> in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> it was a year-round Santa themed. <laughs> now I feel like it's really, now I feel like it's really expensive to go. <clears throat> well, they closed it, and then it was abandoned and derelict mm-hmm. for quite a few years, and then they reopened it, but it was like privately opened, and it's a whole thing. And yeah, it's like up it, it's like fifty bucks to go now. Yeah, we'll we'll have to read up. I feel like when it reopened, I was like, we got to go to the, the Santa's Village, and then we went. And we we're like, womp womp. It's like crazy expensive. Uh, side note: I found a uh, advertisement for a darling pet monkey for eighteen ninety five. In, uh, in a comic book. I'll put that on the Instagram. It's tiny. It fits in the palm of your hand. Free cage, free leather collar and leash, free toy and instructions included with each monkey. Loads of fun and amusement. It's a squirrel monkey. We'll get one to hang out with our Sorry. interns. Sorry about that. Little, uh, <laughs> Side note. Um, oh, but uh, were there ever race wars at the real... <laughs> At, at, at Gwyn Oaks, at Gwyn Oaks. Uh, apparently, apparently there was. Wow. And, and apparently those reasons were why we stopped... Uh, oh sure, that's why little. you can. Yeah, um, but it's interesting that the uh, the Tilted Acres scene uh, also has one of the uh, more famous deleted scenes in there, mm-hmm. uh, where they they filmed Rocha's literally crawling out of Tracy's hair. Oh my god! Oh, I was reading up about that whole comment. So yeah. what's the what was the idea behind the scene? Did so Amber the scene, like put them there. So the scene no. is. Is sort of based on an urban legend about a girl whose brain is eaten by cockroaches <laughs> when they were living in her beehive hairdo. Oh my god! And it never made it into the final cut. Although Amber's reaction for that is scene, still there. sure, but yeah, she says like, but it's stage. references to the roaches in the later part of the yeah, of the right. Movie. You yeah. just right. think that Amber's and being a bitch. I mean, that particular urban edge legend aside, um, they did used to say that you know because some of the people with those hairstyles back then wouldn't. Wash you their hair yeah. for a while. You'd, you'd wrap it in teepee. So, yeah. Yeah, to maybe keep its shape, but yeah. they also weren't washing it for a while. And so people used to say that, you know, Ugh. bugs may or may not. Yeah. See, that couldn't have been left in there because then if you see Tracy with brooches in her hair and 
And right. they weren't put there by Amber or someone. Right. They She's not the like, clean teen yeah. that Edna No, claims. we don't want that. <laughs> She's our hero. We can't see, like, real roaches crawling out of her hair. But it does lead to her amazing uh, coronation gown right. later mm-hmm. on in the movie. It's pretty iconic. Right. Yes, indeed. But um, it's at this point that she kind of uh, ditches the bouffant anyway. Well, she goes. She ends up in, oh, because she winds up ironing her hair yeah. and uh, reform school. And reform school. Yeah. I love the idea of reform school too. Yeah. yeah, that was a big. That was a big thing back then. Yeah, I mean, even even threat. when I was growing up, there was the threat of going to reform school. When you're a, a bad kid, you'll be yeah. thrown in reform school. Yeah. I mean, we had a couple of them here, <laughs> uh, but it was just like the school for like the real bad kids that just continually got kicked out of school. It was just a continuation right. school. Um, to me, the threat wasn't so much like you're going to go to reform school, like they were going to do anything. It's not like military school, but to me, the threat was like, those are some bad mofos in that school. Like whatever they yeah. did to get there. Right. That was right. like going to jail, like for right. a kid. So like, that, that was more, that was more of your threat. Yeah. It's who you'd be with. Kids you burned down there. your house and you're sent to reform Yeah. <laughs> so to me, I'm just like, oh my God, I can't go there. Like right. those kids are going to eat me alive. Um, I was not tough enough for reform school. If I ever I was tough, if I ever became a parent, I would I would threaten my kids with saying I'm going to send them to reform school. Yeah, not military school, Swiss boarding school. Then you'd have to make them look it up. Yeah, they'd have to. <laughs> I feel like I did do a, Google it. I, like, what does I, that mean? I did do a Google search of Swiss reform or Swiss boarding school, and the results were pretty <laughs> underwhelming. There's not that many left, huh? We don't have that kind of money to send him to Swiss boarding school anyway. We're not Joan Crawford. Well, she didn't send Christina to Switzerland. She just sent him. Sent that, her to, that school's up the road. It is. She <laughs> just sent her to Sacred Heart. Um, but at that time, I think it was for troubled girls. So <clears throat> why does Tracy end up in reform school? Because, oh, do they get caught by the police when they're out with, um, after the beatniks? How does she get in reform school? Well, the big Tilted Acres debacle. Oh, it's because of Tilted Acres. Right. And yeah, she gets, because know, of Tilted Acres. And she gets, she put, gets in, put in the paddy wagon. Right. Put in jail for the night. Yes. Shouldn't say paddy wagon. It's racist. Against Irish people. <laughs> they would probably say it in a John Waters movie, I though. Know. Um, yeah, that's that's right. I, I, I completely blanked on that. She There's a, <laughs> the race riots begin in Tilted Acres. Yeah. Well, that one woman throws oh, a cherry the bomb. cherry bomb woman. Into the crowd. And she's also the one who hits Link in the knees, right? Yes. With a purse. That woman looks like just an extra. She just looks like some that, woman on the street. <laughs> You're like, that's that, my cousin. No, I was just going to say... In the tough areas of Baltimore, that woman is everywhere. Yeah, you know the, the, she the, looked like a real woman. Like, yeah, yeah, she looked like a real yeah. one. She didn't look like she had like hair and makeup done. She yeah. just looked like you look like the kind of lady Absolutely. that would throw a cherry bomb yeah. <laughs> in a public. Place. And that's and that's part of why I really love this movie is that there's something wonderfully authentic about all of the background act actors in this movie brian included that (laughs) this is a world that feels very lived in by real people yeah yeah and sometimes you don't get that in a lot of hollywood movies yeah well i uh, the one this is the time i guess to to say also you know we were very lucky um because if it had been if it had been a bigger film by a more at that more established filmmaker coming into town to make a movie. Yeah. The amount of things that he allowed us to do, um, 
as dancers and reactors and, you know, in those different scenes, they would have brought in people to do that. Definitely. Like we, you know, we were the, the dancers of the movie and they yeah. danced us to death and, and got <laughs> us to do really cool stuff. You know, yeah. the, the stuff that was going on when Debbie's wig flew off and, and just all sorts of things. Um, you know, as little, you know, kids in Baltimore, uh, that would have been people brought in to do that for a bigger film. Sure. So I feel very lucky in that way. Uh, well, and also this movie was produced by New Line. And New Line in the 80s was like the misfit studio run yeah, by Bob yeah. Shea. And Bob Shea yeah. distributed early John Waters movies. I'm pretty sure that he would like drive multiple maniacs and pink flamingos to like movie houses to show them. So they had a pretty long working relationship. Yeah. And probably when they made this movie, he was just like, John, go do your thing. Yeah. Here's yeah. the little money that we're going to give you from New Line. <laughs> yeah. This is a, a non-Freddy like New Line movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love this scene in that when Tracy's in reform school and she's ironing her hair and the yeah. news report comes on. Right. And she sees Link on TV. And she starts licking, licking the screen. The screen. <laughs> But and but, not only that, this is this is something also that you know is is kind of a mainstay in John Waters' films. He's they do great practical effects. Yes, and I'm sorry the name is escaping me right now, but he's used the same people to build his uh, props and things for a long time. Well, I'm think, just having uh, a brain fart on, I think on the name. Perino is that's his right. Set director that's right. Or his art director. Yeah. yeah. And so some it's of the things they would guy. build and the experimental ways that they would do it, like yeah. you know, the obviously having the camera within a TV cabinet together, yeah. looking the screen. Yeah. You know, when they're having a makeout moment after Motormouth's dance mm-hmm. um, outside, and uh, a rat crawls over her foot yeah. with the moon and reflected, and yeah. so they. I, they had some sort of like globe lit to be the moon reflecting in the puddle that the sure. rat was on, and and they they, they did really uh, amazing practical props. And yeah. then uh, when you get to the auto show, one of the most oh, amazing yeah. ones rolls out. But yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, when Tracy gets the uh, applause meter, the applause meter is great. Oh, yeah. Uh, when tr- when Tracy gets beamed with the uh, the dodgeball. And Link is looking over her, and it has that like waterfall yeah, effect yeah, yeah. on his on his on Link, you know. Yeah, those kinds of practical effects. Also, even too, there's like some really cool like wipes. Yeah, like there's really cool like optical wipes, and they just make it look like a '60s movie because right. these are all like in camera mm-hmm. right process shots. And that's another good point. Also, yeah. there's so many movies, um, and I think it wasn't too long after Hairspray that they came out with. Um, Oh, it was another dance movie, and it just... Shag? Shag, I think. (laughs) But, you know, so many period movies Mm -hmm. just look like you put vintage clothes on people and said go, and it Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like it came for that time. And this really does. It really does. Yeah, something about the film grain and and the the things they did with the opticals and and all the practical stuff. And also, if you were to colorize one of the soundstage sets where they would do these dance shows, just how the colors look, I'm sure look exactly like that. Right, Yeah. absolutely. And lighting. Lighting is a big thing. Like I remember when I saw Far From Heaven, I think, and they were talking about, oh, it's like all those old 50s melodramas. And I was like, this is the same, like, smoke-filled <laughs> everywhere, you know, dark lighting things. That's never how a 50s movie yeah, was lit, yeah. ever. <laughs> I mean, that's a 50s movie uh, through the minds of 
Todd Haynes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that first, that first, the whole opening credits sequence that's in the dance studio of, of the corny Collins yeah. show. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It just looks like a real, cause yeah. Well, like I said about the shots of the, the streets of Baltimore, they didn't pretty it up, you know? And so they didn't pretty up like, you know, the interior stuff. We're in a mo- like, right. you know, a glossy movie now, like, you know, we keep bringing it back to, the musical version, but that's right. such like this big studio polished, polished, polished production. Yeah. yeah. And it just looks like a movie from 2007. Right. You know, with kids in, in, yep. in, in costumes. Um, so the entire time, uh, Amber's big, like the biggest thing going for her is that she is going to be <laughs> the queen of this auto show. That's so right, the know. queen of an auto show is so something out of a John Waters movie right, too. Yeah. It's not like a beauty pageant yeah, or right. like a major dance competition. But, it's queen of an auto show. But but it's I totally real. You yeah. know, I when I lived in New York, there was a restaurant that had all the pictures of the wall of the Miss Subways. <laughs> that's uh, through the 40s and 50s. That's so, amazing. you know, yeah. I mean that sort of thing is real. Yeah. But and and just a quick moment speaking of mm-hmm. Amber and practical effects. Amber's house with that staircase and the dripping lamps. Yeah. Now I remember seeing like That's, adults in row houses with dripping oil lamps. The like first, that. the mm-hmm. first floor of that house. <laughs> there's a lot is to look at. Amazing. And when they're watching the TV, when Amber gets sent home, yep. and there's yeah, there's it's like these vertical like I don't know wires. What are they? And there's. What is it? Is it it's, oil? It's oil. That's oil. There amazing. used to be. I mean, that used to be a thing. It's like a fountain. Now, normally, those lights would maybe be two feet tall. Yeah. The oil, and it would be some sort of like Grecian statue inside, and then dripping this okay. oil. Yeah. I'm so for him this. to build that version, that's like it's like six feet yeah, tall. it's like six feet tall. It's huge. <laughs> the is the is the staircase a spiral staircase? No. It, it, I don't think it is. It's very dramatic. It's dramatic. It is dramatic. And then Deborah Harry literally being hairstyled like a keen. Yes. Like the that, keen portrait. I love their. I <laughs> love keen knockoff. I love of the keen knockoffs on the on the walls. Amazing. Yeah. I love on the commentary that John Waters refers to men to them as Walter Keens. Yeah. Oh, if you want to get funny. even more like uh, period specific, even with that. hysterical. Yeah. yeah a yeah. Walter Keen painting. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that 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 Walter Keen knockoff is beautiful, and it's that that iconic Debbie Harry wig. Amber also has a really cool record player in her room, or it's a. It looks like it's a radio, and it's like a hutch. It's like the one that the top opens. Yeah, yeah. It's like down in there. Um, Amber's room is. Uh, is poodle themed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has poodles. Like ever, she even has like some keen looking poodles like yeah. in frames mm-hmm. and she's got like pink poodle you know stuffed animals and her entire room is pink and it's and it's amazing yeah that house is just every shot of the interior of that house i'm just looking around yeah. in the background just like what is going there's on? a lot to take in <laughs> there is so much to take in but um the von tussles amber's parents have uh, de- devised a plan that if Amber doesn't win, they're going to throw a bomb uh, into the crowd. Yeah, I I that's it. one thing that's never really clearly. <laughs> I love since that they're there too. It's Tracy, like a, it's like, it's like a, it's although a, it's a time bomb. It's, it's a, like it a Looney a Tunes. Bomb, yeah. It's a Looney Tunes it's, clock bomb. It's, it's a big alarm clock with like 
dynamite sticks of dynamite yeah. or something <laughs> and he you know she's wearing this wig that's about three feet tall right. and it's got a secret compartment and he you know locks it in there and she's wearing it this entire time at the at the auto show um so amber wins at first right because she's sitting in, or does she just take the the seat because her whole thing is she's sitting on this throne and is just not going to get out of this throne well, it, 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 Amber Amber does it first by default of yeah. her not being because Tracy wasn't there. Because then was. there's the whole dethroning Tierra ripping off. Yes, you know, little Inez comes and takes it off of Amber's <laughs> head. You know, <laughs> um, that's amazing when she snatches that throne. But, that on, but uh, honest to God, the heat that we dealt with and danced in for that auto show, uh, I can't even <laughs> tell you. Um, and. Uh, uh, Amber, um, is it Colleen Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Um, she had recently... Vitamin C. <laughs> ...come off of... Um, she was on that season of Saturday Night Live with all the young... What? Like with Robert Downey Jr. and uh, um, Anthony Michael Hall? Anthony Michael oh, Hall. Oh, wow. Yeah. The and notorious... Joan Cusack? The notorious dud season. It's not a great season. <laughs> <laughs> and she was really fun because you know while we were, while they were waiting around you know the camera setups in there because of the mirrors on all the walls oh, yeah, were very sure. difficult to do to be able to they were trying to get back and give it a certain amount of scope but yeah. all the walls were mirrored through those ribbons and, uh, and decorations and so we were dancing right by her throne. And so they had, you know, these dramatic up lights and sideways lights and everything. And so she turned around with her tiara on and looked in the mirror in like this really strong up light. And she was like, oh, my God, I look like Carrie at the prom. (laughs) And I just started laughing so hard. And she so she had this moment of like, you know, she was doing a little bit of Carrie in the mirror and everything. because You know, what else are you going to do? That's funny. I love Scott died. And that little car that she got in. I love her little car. That little buggy. Yeah. With a dome. Like, (laughs) that looked uncomfortable for her to drive in. Uh, Well, you know, I think she almost literally died because, you know, that that car, um, however, that scooter that had the fiberglass bubble in the frame over it, which I love, like Flash Gordon looking little things anyway. (laughs) And I think. It must have been because I think it's just got one a single wheel in front, and she had yeah. to guide it. So she's waving and doing her, you know, Prissy Ember wave through the bubble and everything. And then her expression changed, and you know, we were all like right around the car as she made her circle, and her eyes got real big, and she started to bang on the glass because they didn't put air holes. Oh no! In the, oh, in the car, gosh. and so they had to come and re- release the bubble. <laughs> She was literally running out of air. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, that little thing looks like they just like rigged it up, like they made. It. And she is packed in that thing, yeah, so tight. Like she's at this crazy angle. Right, like her back is not even to the back of it. So right, to the side. Right, and so things like that. Yeah, when she's still doing her thing and yeah. being Amber, you know that that's where you give people credit because you don't realize what they're having to put up with. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's funny. That's amazing. And um, yeah, so then we get uh, Tracy finally makes it to the auto show. She's wearing her pink satin coronation gown. Right. Designed by Mr. Pinky. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a Mr. Pinky original Mm -hmm. covered in cockroaches. And her hair is flat and just, you know, flat ironed down. 
and uh, and starts another riot in the, <laughs> at the auto show coronation. Um, but yeah, that everybody does like what is it the bug or like what is that dance called where they're just like throwing it onto each other? Uh, and, it's like, it's the bug after the. Uh, is it the, is the bug, the bug spray. right before the blow up? Yeah, I guess it's right, it's right before, before it. Right yeah. before the wig blows off. Yeah, because we had done we had done a full dance, uh, and again we did all the dances to completion, but they're all cut in the movie. We did a full dance of the roach, you know, oh, with wow. a, like you're doing the spray yeah, with when the spray you do can. it and everything. <laughs> um, and so when when the bug starts. That that had a lot of extended stuff to it because there were so many reactions of people acting like they had bugs on them and yeah. everything. And then when the wig blows off, like he said, you know, and again, like our little kid brains were all like horrified. <laughs> he said, so what's going to happen is her wig blows off and it like like with it goes flying off her head and it's all burnt and like pieces of her scalp will like land oh and, gosh. you know, on top of Amber. And so – when they when they did that uh for the crowd reaction and everyone stopping and watching it fly across the room it was a big mop that you know the <laughs> grip eyeline? the grip made our made our eyeline for uh and then and then for the reverse you know they had that great you know again a great practical effect to to not only have that flat you know smoke comes out you know a bright light and it's really Deborah Harry, and yeah. then it goes like off uh, off of her head. And her makeup look after the explosion is crazy. Yes. Yeah, she's got yeah. like black, like soot on her face, and it's yeah. like the whole top part of her of her right. scalp I, is I, like I watched that whole off. makeup process. <laughs> yeah, fascinated. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty. That's, pretty funny. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, God, this movie. <laughs> I just feel like it holds up in that it's still really funny. Yeah. It's still like it's got a like a good message. It's got a good beat and you could dance to. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they need to do a complete soundtrack release of it. Yeah, they really should. But um it's it's just one of those things where like I feel like a certain kind of like theater kids really like the musical, so maybe they would kind of make their way to it. But um, yeah, something about it. I think it's kind of hard for uh, modern audiences to like find it or get familiar with it just because like the musical was kind of a bigger thing. So maybe people kind of forget about, I don't even know what the current print of this movie is. What do you mean? If uh, I mean, I'm assuming that that it's readily available to rent digitally. Oh, too. Yeah, they did. They showed it at the Egyptian um, oh, cool. as part of a, you know, I don't know if you all know this. Greg Proops has yeah. a, a film club and he'll do podcasts from and present his favorite films and they're all over the gamut. But um, and so they did it. I guess it was last year because it was for the anniversary. Oh, OK. Well, then so it would have been 2018 is when they did it uh, at the Egyptian. And it was a it was a decent print. But can I can I tell you about the the. Original ending, yes, of course, of course, in the auto show. Please so, do. after you know, right now, the way the film ends is Tracy says, Let's dance, and it freeze frames on her and goes right to the end credits. Well, uh-huh. what originally happened, and we were this, this, we were all choreographed on this, it was really something is 
literally the dance, the auto show gets integrated. All the black kids come running in and oh, kind okay. of pair off with us. And um, and so it was this big production number of all the dances you'd seen um, throughout the course of the film. Now, I know like on Wikipedia talks about a missing scene prior to Tracy getting to the dance or, or prior to the uh, end of the movie called mm-hmm. The Stupidity. Um, my brain doesn't remember that, but it remembers this original ending because again we were we were all kind of broken off and paired off um with a african-american uh kid to to dance with and and then the it was this huge production number of all the dances you saw in the movie and the camera went around everybody you know so that so that you could pick out the fact that it was all the different dances being done at the same time okay and so when when we were at the uh premiere in Baltimore um, uh, at this great Art Deco old movie theater in Baltimore, uh, the Senator, uh, we were all watching and like waiting for the end and it was like, well, uh, where did that go? <laughs> Has John Waters mentioned why they cut it? I have, I've never heard I that even mentioned. I almost just if they had like, we have to hit 95 minutes That's the only thing, not, not specifically yeah. in conjunction with The Last Dance, but I... The only thing I heard is that New Line specifically was a 90-minute movie company. Yes. Okay. Like, we have to get five showings of this a day. Yeah. Right. And, now, in a movie theater. I, I don't know whether that was just to pacify us asking or not, or, or, the, or the truth. But it, right. to me, it was kind of like the whole point of what you're leading yeah. up to. And yeah. in a kind of, I, I guess, in a Quentin Tarantino way, in kind of having a fantasy solution to something that didn't really happen mm-hmm. yeah, you would yeah. get to see corny collins actually integrate the show whereas the real buddy dean show stopped because um the tv station wouldn't let him oh, okay. and they go into that in the musical too yeah well i mean that's the big mm-hmm. like you can't stop the beat like yeah final number would be is kind of that moment of the of mm-hmm. the original ending is the the reprise of everybody coming in and, and doing the big dance? It would be really cool if there was like a Shout Factory re-release yeah. of Hairspray Cri- and they, Criterion, and they put in the ending. Who would cri- sure? Because cri- they've been doing a lot of the John Waters movies. So, well, huh? Criterion now to me is the only company that puts the money into the um, finding of the lost footage. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Not a lot of people do the budget that it takes because uh, like uh, I feel like it's either criterion or shelf factory. Yeah. 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 Um, our, our, uh, DVD of this is the hairspray pecker double pack, uh, that we have oh, here. Isn't funny that it wouldn't, <laughs> we, like, we, why pick, are they together? We picked it <laughs> well, up from Amoeba. Like, why not cry baby? Yeah, exactly. It, you cry baby would make more sense. It would make a lot more Although, sense. Although I do love pecker. So yeah. pecker's actually really funny. Um, yeah, this is from the the John Waters collection. When a lot of these, a lot of his movies came to DVD around the same time, yeah. And they did that this John Waters collection. There was a double pack of Female Trouble and Polyester, and then there was like a big, or uh, not Polyester, Female Trouble and Pink Flamingos. We lost our set of that. We did. Sadly, <laughs> we'll get it again. Um, <laughs> do we have any uh, closing thoughts on on? On hairspray, I mean, geez, definitely. Please. Either give it a rewatch, and if you haven't watched it, sit down yeah. and enjoy the movie because it is really, really that, good. 
that would be my message to the people who are only familiar with the musical version. Yes. Uh, do do yourself a favor and watch the original so yeah. that uh, get a get a little bit educated on the real locations, um, the real songs from that time period, um, and the real dances. You know that you know one of the things we learned was the dirty boogie. You know that, that was at oh, Mouse. Yeah. and uh, so you know it'll be interesting to just back up what you like about the musical with some of the grittier real songs of the time period yeah for sure pete's and looking through some photos that brian brought some set photos yeah some set yeah, photos they're really cool. cool yeah that was back when they didn't they didn't care i i did that, <laughs> I did that for several movies <laughs> through the 80s camera. uh just brought my my camera and what other away. movies were you extras in besides uh this you mentioned see, one tin man was the first tin man, yeah this this was the one because you never know what's even going to be left in, and then yeah. because of the amount that we got to do for this, this was like the most, I guess, uh, rewarding. Um, uh, there was the other uh, Ava- Avalon Crybaby. Oh, okay, yeah. I was in Crybaby because that originally had a all different ending. Also, oh, I, wow. I was a square marshal, and uh, the original ending of Crybaby was this battle of the bands between the drapes and the squares. Sure. And uh, and so and they had like the, the 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 gangs, for lack of a better word, of kids. The two different types of kids were separated by like rolled barbed wire and everything. Oh and then there was like this battle of the bands. And you know, as I had a thing on my sleeve where I was the marshal to try to keep kids in control and everything. <laughs> uh, so it was like you know, it was as if the two groups were musically battling it out. And then again, that was another one we went to see in the movie theater. And it was like, well, like, what oh, the hell no. is this ending? <laughs> and then years later, someone called me and they said, were you in Crybaby? And I was like, well, yeah, but I got cut out of that. And he's like, I, I just saw you on TV. And so like when the USA Network showed it, oh. they showed the original ending. So that's crazy. Got me. Yeah. I don't know why. T- sometimes television prints get deleted scenes. I remember Weird Science used to... Uh, when it was run on television, would include scenes yeah. that were not on the home video release, and I was always weirded out. By Goonies that. would sometimes have cut scenes. Yeah, um, you were probably too young for Diner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, may- maybe so. Tin-, Tin Men was the direct follow-up to that. Uh, yeah, Diner then, was then Avalon like eighty-one or something. So, and then they yeah. did. Um, they also did. Uh, who was the 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 Ann Tyler? I guess mm-hmm. was the Baltimore author who uh, they did one of her movies. Um, that John Hurt was in. Accidental Tourist? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was very One Gina Davis that Oscar. It did. Yeah. And That's in um, Baltimore? Men Don't Leave with okay. Jessica Lang. That was my first Jessica Lang because wow. then I was, did feud with her later. But uh, where are you in feud? We're rewatching it right now. Um, in, well, with Jessica Lang, when it opens at the uh, Golden Globes and they shot it at the um, Palladium. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sitting right next to her. What? Oh, what? Yeah. How did we not realize that? <laughs> we're even re- we're rewatching it. And then later huh. on, we'll with go Susan, back and look for later it. on with Susan Sarandon, it's uh, the script supervisor. I've got that stopwatch around my neck and everything. Uh, when when Joan comes in after she has been, you know, away from the studio, and and she gets wheeled in in her wheelchair. Oh, okay. Um, but Men Don't Leave, if you haven't seen it, is a cute little yeah. Movie. Um, Joan Cusack is in it. It was the first thing I ever saw. Uh, oh my God. What's his I name? Cutie Cute. Came out. Let me see. Men Don't Leave. 
These are like titles that I'm it's just a, like remembering. It's from. really worth it's it's just a neat little uh, I don't want to say it's indie per se, but it just has that feel. It's uh Yeah. She plays um she's someone who's suddenly widowed. Chris have, O'Donnell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kathy Bates, Ooh. Chris O'Donnell. Oh, yeah. it was oh, the first this is, thing. This is even like nineteen ninety Chris O'Donnell. So right. He's probably super Absolutely. cute. And um but it's it's really good. It's a really good film. Charlie Kurzmo from Hook is in from it. Hook. And she, she dropped an orange in my on my head. Look, Jessica Lane has red hair in this movie. <laughs> Never see her with that color hair. Yeah, oh. and, and Kathy Bates is a is a is a riot and a um Well she's good in everything. So yeah, it, you know, it was a period of time in the eighties and nineties when they filmed a lot of stuff in Baltimore. Um Yeah. Uh, movie wise like i know they did the wire years later mm-hmm. um and then for you know for one reason or another i i think they started to charge people more to do it there and then i think everyone was like goodbye <laughs> um moving moving the moving the production to atlanta, <laughs> to atlanta yeah, yeah. Well, Cecil, Cecil B. Demented is all is all over Baltimore still. Mm-hmm. I love of... the opening of Cecil B. Demented because it's all the closed um, theaters in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. And the opening yeah. of Cecil B. Demented, the big premiere for the for the Honey. Um, I can't think of uh, her character's name, but the big premiere is at the Senator. Yeah, in, in that yeah. movie, which is it's it's an amazing survivor. We're yeah. lucky that it's around, and it's quite something. Doesn't it have like handprints on the front? Mm-hmm. And the cement, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Honey that. Whitlock, Honey Whitlock, her big movie. Yeah. We might, we might have to break out the season. Be demented, yeah. DVD it, tonight. It's pretty stupid, but it's funny. Yeah. Um, and also, if you're a big just movie head like Scott and I, do yourself another favor. And anytime you have your hands on a John Waters DVD after you watch the movie. Watch it with the commentary because it's so good. John Waters is just he's a good storyteller. Such a good story. Yeah. He's so yeah. funny. He's such a character. And and so again, with us at the age group we were in, the way he handled us as uh, kids was yeah. really uh, was really fun. And well, Ricky Lake even she's she's on the commentary as well, but they're not in the. The, it's separate interviews yeah. that they edit yeah. together in the commentary, and she mentions um, again in in classic uh, John Waters heroine form that after she uh, got her hair done for the movie, she was horrified and was crying and wouldn't come out onto the set. And she she said that she heard John Waters say she better get that fucking bitch better get her ass out if she wants to be in my movie <laughs> and they left that in the commentary track so i'm just like you know i wouldn't put it past yeah to say something like that. oh that's funny. um i need to get a new copy of the dvd for mommy dearest because he does a commentary on that movie and it's really really good interesting yeah yeah interesting well, I th- yeah I was just going to say that I, I think that movie is underrated in a certain way. That's yeah. how he talks in the movie. He says that there's obviously the camp elements of it, of like Joan and Christina like rolling on the ground. Right. But he also just stands by it as just kind of a good biopic of Joan. Of of Joan, yeah. Well, too. I, I can't help but feel, and I think we talked a little bit about this with Supergirl, um, that Faye Dunaway, if you've ever seen somebody – who loses it and has a temper 
she's yeah. very believable of someone who reaches that point. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the camp throwdown elements aside, when someone loses it and you're wondering how you can escape out of the house, she, <laughs> she hits it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but John Waters, when he does these commentaries, he just has this, uh, this knowledge of obviously of his movies, you know, he directed them, he was there, but he just has this amazing memory. He's able to talk about the, these locations and, and the people and the extras. And, and it seems like he still keeps up with the majority of the actors in all of his movies yeah. that he knows what they're all up to. Yeah. Well, he goes about making these, yeah. this like troop of, of actors. So he, you know, yeah. Some of my dancer friends, um, still go to holiday parties. You know, with him. That's uh, amazing. I ran into another uh, dancer out here um, who uh, – do you uh, – did you ever see the movie from a couple of years ago, The Love Witch? Yes. Like a, we uh, love The Love Witch. Oh, yeah. yeah he's in uh, – Stephen great. Wozniak. Uh, he plays one of the – well, one of the godfrid of <laughs> husbands. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, and he's an artist too. And then and, – and, you know, it's funny when I'll sometimes run into uh, – uh, people that I danced with in there. Um, yeah, the, I mean, that's the thing about uh, about anytime you watch a John Waters movie and then in the next one you'll see somebody from the last one and it's just kind of cool that, you know, that he's able to just build this little, like, group of weirdos that he just kind of keeps can, along for Can I give ride. a shout-out to two other dancers? Of course. Just uh, Melissa Darwin and Regina Hammond. And the reason I'm giving that shout-out is since they didn't give us anything, you know, we didn't get paid for this. Okay. We got a cassette of the soundtrack before it was released. <laughs> and so we thought – and that was fine because of everything we got to do. But based on what you see in other movies, we thought surely – at the end, there will just be this long list under dancers. Sure. I was looking for it when we were finishing and, it, too, and it was not there. So there was quite a few people in the Senator movie theater who thought we were just going to be grouped together under dancers after all that dancing we did over <laughs> and over again, and it wasn't there. So I just at oh. least wanted to mention some of my, some of my fellow dancers. <laughs> so they got a credit here. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. This uh, this was really this fun. This was a fun episode. Yeah. This was really well, thank cool. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. It's a good You're start welcome. to probably the many John Waters movies that we'll end up doing. I don't know what we'll <laughs> follow this up with. But definitely a, another John Waters uh joint for sure but yeah definitely this was this was a really good start and this is yeah this is maybe we couldn't have uh done this episode yeah without. you added a lot <laughs> well i i think it's always fascinating to find out things that were in the movie and taken mm-hmm. out and and things like that uh and the, yeah. and the truisms of the movie just location song wise and oh, yeah what really happened to the real um buddy dean show i you know i think that's important for people to know too oh yeah for sure and just like you were saying you know maybe a, a bigger movie or a more studio production might have populated the background dancers with just you know people from la it definitely York, adds something that you know they all look authentic <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and just them bringing in you know just kids from yeah. kids from the town that's that's really yeah. cool that but that's again something that John Waters is just known for, and it speaks it speaks of him to be able, especially after what you see in his other films. It's it speaks well of him to have been able to wrangle us and keep us going as young kids. Yeah, there were a lot of us. So, oh, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, those scenes, uh, especially uh, the record hop and the dances, it's like there's a lot of people, there's a lot of kids going on in there. Yeah. Can't imagine uh, wrangling yeah. all those all those kids. But yeah, this is a really good. Uh, if you're not, if you haven't seen a Divine movie before, watch this. Yeah. You know, it's a great showcase of Ricky Lake because I feel like we all went to high school with a girl like this, the kind of the big girl. She had a really Big personality. She was always in like every school play and kind of the person that usually the gay kids just ended up latching on to. Yeah, for sure. I think that she really captures that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We've all known a Tracy in our life. <laughs> if not, been one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the truth. Thank you so much for coming on, Brian. This thank was amazing. You. Yeah. Thank you. It's really great. Um, well, uh, thank you listeners once again for listening to our show. We'd love if you would rate and review our show. Give us five stars. Give us five stars. We'd also <laughs> love if you subscribe to our show uh, on iTunes. So go ahead and give us a listen. Give us a rate, a rating and a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And come back next week for another excellent uh, adventure with us. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Bye. 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 Well, see, she's already getting close-ups. Does she get paid for this? Big as a house. I think she looks pretty, Edna.